around today, only it is known by a different name, Unilever. But that's another story. It's Kelpie Vibes. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode that I've been thinking about it. My name is Christian Yearwood, your host of course. Um, I have a very good show in store for you today. Um, so today, what do I want to talk about? Um, I would like to talk about U.S. imperialism. Um, how that affects us in the Caribbean. Um, specifically today with reference to Jamaica, Venezuela. Um, and I would also like to talk about how real is the threat of World War Three. Um, now, recently the Prime Minister of Barbados, Mia Motley, has come out and suggested that the U.S. government um, is making attempts to divide CARICOM. Uh, now, she came out and said this um, because... Mike Pompeo, a uh, U.S. Secretary of State, um, former CIA director and a former former congressman um, of the United States, um, he recently had a meeting um, in Jamaica, and I want to give some backstory about who Mike Pompeo is, um, just so you guys can understand the type of people that um, are in charge of U.S. foreign policy. So Pompeo, um, he's a former congressman, and but most notably, um, he served as CIA director in the um, Trump cabinet, right? So I think in about 2017, he retired um, from Congress. Well, he, he resigned from Congress to become U.S. Secretary of State. Uh, I'm sorry, not U.S. Secretary of State. He, he became first the CIA director. So... As CIA director, Mike Pompeo, um, one, one of the most heinous things he did is provoke Iran and um, basically help to undermine the Iran nuclear deal. Now, the Iran nuclear deal is one of the few things, in my opinion, that Obama deserves credit for. I mean, it was it was basically a perfect deal um, which said that Iran, you were not able to develop um, nuclear weapons, you were not able to... Um, produce uranium um, so the world is, would generally be a safer place because another sovereign country would not be able to produce um, nuclear weapons right so this deal was ultimately torn up by Donald Trump and um, since then the US has placed economic sanctions on Iran and of course the, the US launched uh, missile strikes um, on Iran and one of which killed um, General Qasem Soleimani and um, the thing to know about 
General Suleimani, right? And why his killing was was very significant. Obviously, it was significant because the U.S. is killing a sovereign country's uh, military general. That is serious within itself, right? An act of war within itself. But one thing that is not noted in the media um, that I would like uh, to, to, to explain is that Suleimani... Suleimani um, was actually one of the leading fighters against ISIS and other radical um, groups in the Middle East, right? So, bear in mind that the U.S. claims to be fighting terrorism abroad, right? Um, but Trump and his government is actively actively undermining the U.S. fight um, of, of, of ISIS and, and these other groups in the Middle East by killing one of the top generals... Um, that is actually helping them fight these country, um, these these groups in the Middle East, right? So that is why I say that the U.S. government has no serious interest um, in bringing democracy or peace, development or or any anything else that they claim to want for Iranians, right? Because I would also like to stress too that the economic sanctions um, that were placed on Iran by the U.S these crippled the iranian economy and the majority of people affected by these sanctions are working class people regular innocent civilians um that have nothing to do with any of this at all right they're just minding their business right um so in my opinion the u.s interest in iran is clear iran has the fourth largest oil reserves in the world right and the US companies, they want a piece of that pie. Now, Mike Pompeo is significant um, when we talk about Iran because Mike Pompeo has received over a million dollars in campaign contributions, or as I like to call them, legal bribes from oil and gas companies in America, right? Um, so he's being paid uh, by oil and gas companies to represent oil and gas companies' interests um, in U.S. foreign policy. So, also what I would like to talk about too is former U.S. Secretary, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Now, of course, Mike Pompeo is the current um, Secretary of State, but I feel like we need to cover the former um, U.S. Secretary of State under Trump because he is extremely he's an extremely important man um as it relates to venezuela as it relates to um u.s foreign policy in general right so who am i talking about rex tillerson his name is rex tillerson and he was the first secretary of state um in trump's cabinet so th this is how the crony capitalism works right so in 2017 Rex Tillerson received $180 million payout from the largest oil company in the world, ExxonMobil, um, as he left ExxonMobil as CEO of ExxonMobil to become um, Secretary of State. So the CEO of the largest oil company in the world leaves that oil company, receives damn near $200 million um, in payouts, and he just slides right into the top U.S. foreign policy position, right? That's how the crony capitalism work. The oil companies bribe the politicians with campaign contributions, and in turn, the oil company CEOs and 
people who have um, interests um, that align with the oil companies are then given high-level positions of government in the United States. And therefore, they're able to affect what happens not just in the U.S., but all over the world. So this, this, this begs a serious question, right? What does an oil company tycoon know about U.S. foreign policy, right? <laughs> well, ExxonMobil and other U.S. oil companies would love control of the largest oil reserves in the, more, in the world um, located in Venezuela. Venezuela currently sits atop of 303 billion barrels of oil, right? Those are the estimates, the largest um, oil reserves in the world. So this is why the U.S. has an interest in removing the democratically elected leader Nicolas Maduro um, in Venezuela. So the U.S. once again claim um, to be removing, you know, a communist authoritarian regime um, of, of Maduro. Um, and, and what's important to know about this, right? Well, when we have this conversation about communism and authoritarianism, right? Now, well, well, President Maduro, he ob objectively, he's not a very good leader, right? And he has caused many problems in Venezuela. And, you know, that's why Venezuela is going through so much turmoil, although they have such large oil reserves, right? Um, but it's very important to know that he was democratically elected, right? And, and this is why me and Motley's comments are so important in my opinion. And I give her credit for being strong on this, right? Now, she says that the U.S. is trying to divide the region um, as it regards to its position um, on Venezuela. And this is, a, um, I'm going to quote her right here. She says, we don't look to pick fights. I don't look to pick fights. But I am conscious that if this country does not stand for something, then it will fall for anything. Now, this is a massive issue, right? Because suppose now in, in, in an alternate universe, Barbados becomes, I, I don't know, say we elect somebody that the U.S. does not like. The U.S. thinks that this person is going to undermine their interests and is not going to play ball with them. And the U.S. generally doesn't like who the Barbadian public elects as their leader, right? Now, is it right for the U.S. government to come into our country, Little Barbados, and say, we can bring military troops here, we can bring all types of people here to remove your leader because we simply don't like them. We don't care if you elected him. He don't, he don't play ball with us, so we got to get rid of him, right? That's essentially what the U.S. are doing in Venezuela, right? Because they want to replace him um, with Juan Guido and... The reason they like Juan Guido is because Juan Guido he wants to open up oil production. Um, he wants to open up oil production to foreign companies, right? So obviously the U.S. companies would get massive oil um, contracts and would be able to benefit from um, the oil reserves in Venezuela, right? Um, so it's not about what's best for the Venezuelan people. Of course, it's not about bringing peace and stability and democracy um, to Venezuela is simply about how can we have um, get control of the massive oil reserves um, in Venezuela so I just want to add um, that some of the members of the CARICOM were not invited right um, some were invited so this is why Mia would say that the US is trying to divide the region right 
so five liters in oil in the Caribbean attend, um, attended the meeting in Jamaica and these leaders were described as weak-minded by um, Prime Minister uh, Gaston Brown of Antigua and Barbuda so what, what does all of this have to do with the threat of World War Three, right? You know, I just explained why U.S. Um, U.S. has um, interest in Venezuela, right? No, it is definitely not for good reason. It is because of um, the oil companies. They, they they basically want a piece of the pie um, in Venezuela. I mean, three hundred and three billion barrels of oil. That is a lot of oil and a lot of money, right? So it's about maintaining U.S. economic um, power um, in the world and and U.S. political power, U.S. political influence on the region, right? That is why the U.S. wants um, Mike Pompeo meted uh, CARICOM leaders in Jamaica recently. So what, what, what does all of this have to do with the threat of World War Three? Now, obviously, when the the bombings um, and the tension between Iran was happening with the U.S., there was this mass hysteria online about World War Three, and uh, you know all of the memes and etc. etc. Right? Um, but in my opinion, I don't think there was a real serious threat of World War Three. It was more so the threat of another war in the Middle East um, between US and Iran um, which would be devastating for the world within itself um, but not quite World War three um, <laughs> right so wh what is the real threat of World War three that we have right and in my opinion the real threat is China right it's clear that the real threat is China. Now, the meeting in Jamaica um, that Mike Pompeo made, in my opinion, one of one of the topics of discussion would have been the Chinese influence um, in the U.S. Right? Uh, sorry, in in the Caribbean. Now, the U.S. is not happy with the economic power of China and the rising influence um, in not just the region. Um, not just Jamaica, um, but the entire globe, right? So, specifically, when we talk about China and Jamaica, now China and Jamaica have been growing um, a very strong relationship in in the recent recent years. Um, obviously, the Chinese just invested in a seven hundred and thirty million dollar highway in Jamaica. Um, that's U.S. seven hundred and thirty million dollars, by the way. So. The Chinese got U.S. money for this. Um, the Chinese have a lot of money to invest in infrastructure all over the world. And the U.S. simply does not like this, right? Because the U.S. has always seen the, the, the massive threat of China um, because of their economic and military potential. Um, it's important to note that China currently has the largest army in the world. Um, with an estimated 1.5 million troops. Just, just put that into perspective. 1.5 million troops, right? <laughs> that is ridiculous, right? So the U.S. is looking at that, and they're like, "Whoa, that is, that is really threatening to, um, you know, our our hegemony, you know, in the world." 
So China, of course, also has a, a nuclear arsenal. Um, they're one of the countries that have a, a, a fairly large um, nuclear weapons program. But of course, it's, it's nothing in comparison to the U.S. Um, nuclear arsenal. They have the largest arsenal in the world. And they have a, a, a military budget of 740 million um, U.S., right? 748 million U.S. Um, is their military budget. Actually, that might be billion U.S., though. But regardless, it's a lot of fucking money that they have put towards their military budget. And in fact, their military budget is larger than all the other countries in the world combined. And both Democrats and Republicans recently approved um, Trump's expansion of the U.S. military budget. So the U.S. and the Democrats in America, sorry, not, not, sorry, sorry, I, I completely fucked that up. The U.S. and the Republicans in America, they both have a vested interest in maintaining um, um, military power, U.S. military power around the world, which is why they would approve, you know, expansion to um, the military budget under the Trump administration. Um, but th this is what people talk about when they talk about the military industrial complex, right? So if you go to OpenSecrets.org right now, you'll be able to see that the defense industry um, has spent $111 million in 2019 alone legally bribing American politicians um, with campaign contributions, right? So the military-industrial complex is made up of the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, and of course the American um, political parties, which party is in, um, in power at the time, right? So... Yeah, the, the conspiracy theories on YouTube years ago, you know, they were right. Um, at least about some things, right? So there is a dark web of interests um, who profit from war and who have um, hijacked the highest levels of American government and proceed to, you know, spread terror throughout the world, right? That That's, that's what the military-industrial complex is, right? So, again, if we go back to the last episode... This this one of the problems with extreme crony capitalism, right? When the business interests um, and government officials are are working in tandem, um, basically, to um, to enrich themselves, right? So all morals are thrown out of the window, and profit is put um, as the highest priority, right? So. For them, and you know, war is really just a business um, for some of these companies. Um, you know, these companies would include, you know, Raytheon, Boeing, Lockheed Martin. And, you know, they make military electronics. They make the fighter jets. They make the bombs. They make the weapons, you know. Um, so they make a lot of money um, from basically terrorizing um, the world, right? So back to China, right? And back to why... The U.S. sees China um, as a huge threat, and and right. So one of one of the things that um, is important to know about U.S. and China relations throughout the years is is something called the yellow peril. Now, what a yellow yellow peril is, you know, is basically a, a racial stereotype um, that basically you know it, it dismisses the Chinese people as you know 
greedy and they love money and they're evil and you know they, they all all these different things um negative things that um the u.s like to paint the chinese as right communist and and all these different things right so i, I want to play a quick clip for you guys um from a documentary called the coming war on china by john pilger and Basically, he's going to read um, a speech given by Mao, one of the Chinese leaders um, in the past, very famous Chinese leader. And um, here's what Mao had to say. You're confronted by a surreal spectacle. For right outside where the Chinese Communist Party was born are the very symbols of capitalism. Starbucks, Apple, Cartier... Dolce Cabana, and down there, perhaps the free market's greatest triumph, bottled water that ensures you live young, costing six pounds for a small bottle in my hotel. Wouldn't Al spin in his tomb if he was here? I'm not so sure. Hidden history is always a key to the truth. Five years before his great communist revolution in 1949, Mao sent this secret message to Washington. China must industrialize, wrote Mao. This can only be done by free enterprise. Chinese and American interests fit together economically and politically. America need not fear that we will not be cooperative. We cannot risk crossing America. We cannot risk any conflict. Mao received no reply. Nothing has changed. Um, so, as you can see, right, the, the what's important to know about China, right? Um, China is labeled um as a communist country, right? Now, th this is very complex, um, right? To 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 understand, right? But the most important thing, um, in my opinion, that you need to understand about communism and, and china right is that no there there's there's one party in china which is the communist party right but in my opinion that's only the name that is given um to the party i mean if we look at if you listen to the clip um that was played just now you would see mo saying that you know there's no need for the u.s to worry about china because in fact our our political and our economic interests actually align the same right and you know in name at least china is a communist country but when you actually look at the reality of how the society is organized um you could actually see that the chinese are very much capitalist you know the chinese um are actually extremely capitalist um it's just that they have one party and one party makes all the decisions and there's no other party right in the u.s there are two different parties um, but for the most part, the policies stay the same because both parties are <laughs> equally um, as corrupt as each other. Um, so the policies, for the most part, um, obviously are there to benefit the business interests and the corporate interests um, and, and to screw over the working class American, right? Um, much is the same in, the ch in China, right? Uh, so while, while the U.S. is, is, is going to claim um that 
you know, the Chinese are communists and they're authoritarian, you know, it, it's really just hypocrisy because the U.S. are really just scared of a larger version of themselves when they look at China, right? Now, one of the most important um, concerns um, that the U.S. had um, and that Mike Pompeo would have brought up um, in this meeting with CARICOM leaders in Jamaica um, is that there would have been talk of, of Chinese military bases in the region um, and that is something that the US absolutely does not want I mean for China to build a new um, a, a, a military base in Jamaica I mean that that would literally be an act of war um, uh, in the US's eyes right I mean if you look at the location of Jamaica compared to where it is to Florida it's very close right so the U.S. does not want um, China's influence in the region to grow um, for this reason, right? They don't want any Chinese military bases, any Chinese military personnel in the region because it would be advantageous um, geographically um, as it pertains to, to, to the U.S., right? So, why, why would all of this cause, you know, World War Three? you know? Wait, why don't the Chinese just leave the region? Just leave the region alone, right? China, um, all would be well, you know. Just leave the U.S. alone, you know. Pull out of, pull out of Jamaica, pull out of um, the Caribbean, and you know, just just leave the U.S. alone, China, you know. Um, unfortunately, you know, it is it, is not as simple as that because the U.S. continues um to be the aggressors and and be the ones to provoke the Chinese, right? So, um, this started um, in Obama's presidency, really. Um, not started in Obama's presidency, but the provocation of the Chinese um, in, in the recent years has been ramped up, um, starting with Obama um, and his foreign policy, right? And basically, what you had was something called the pivot to Asia, right? Which is where two-thirds of U.S. naval forces um, were moved to the South Asian Pacific, right? and um that that is very significant because i mean two-thirds of moving two-thirds of your naval um forces to one part of the region um and, and conveniently setting up bases that surround mainland china i mean from how i look at it um you know that that is massive um, escalation of war and um, provocation on the part of the U.S. Right now, of course, the U.S. media does not report it like this. You know, um, you know they they don't they don't basically say anything about it at all, or why it would even be um, escalation towards war. You know, it's all normal for them, right? It, you know, is it's completely normal to move two thirds of our naval forces to halfway across the world um and surround um china right that that's completely normal for them right it's just another just another you know just another day right <laughs> um but i i, I want to play a clip about obama right um just just to just to let you guys know the type of um foreign policy that that both democrats and republicans um, subscribe to in the U.S. Yes, I mean Obama 
Obama's almost a perfect example of the image and the reality. The image of Obama was of this interesting, eloquent, African-American man who somehow rose through this vortex of politics right to the top and would bring a kind of new civilized attitude to America. All that was nonsense. Um, you know, Obama went to Prague in 2009 and stood up before an adoring crowd and said, um, the United States will help rid the world of nuclear weapons. Under Obama, uh, nuclear warhead production is greater than under any post-Cold War president. Um, there's something like a trillion dollars have been earmarked for nuclear weapons production and, and development. Yet he, and yet he visited Hiroshima as they meet. Well, he, but, but these are acts of deep cynicism. And power at that level operates, yes, in a public relations sense, and that's very much today. Uh, so, again, that was John Pilger um, sitting down with um, Russia today having a conversation about um, U.S. foreign policy. But basically what he was saying is that, you know, Obama came in um, as U.S. president and, you know, his whole campaign was changed, right? And that we're going to, you know, do things differently in the U.S. and we're going to try to be, you know, peacemakers in the world, um, pardon me. So, but, but you know, the reality is that under Obama, there was more nuclear warhead production than under any other president um, in, in U.S. history, right? Um, so, so that's the reality of, um, of the situation, right? So it's, it's clear that the U.S. has no interest in ridding the world of nuclear weapons, um, at least not their own nuclear weapons, um, right? Um, and, and what I want to, to know as well is that the U.S. currently has about 800 military bases around the world, right? And, um. As I said before, a large number of these bases are located in the Asian Pacific and areas surrounding China, right? So that would be like Japan, um, the Philippines, um, and, and a lot of islands in, in, in the South Asian Pacific area. Um, but I just want to play a clip, another clip for you guys um, from a, a, a U.S. military strategist, right? So, so you guys can kind of understand the mentality of the people who actually make the decisions in, in, in the U.S. military and, and U.S. foreign policy. You've described the need for sea mines. You've described the need for special forces, U.S. special forces and missiles placed in islands. This sounds like a preparation for war. Um, our, our first president, George Washington, said, if you want peace, prepare for war. And essentially, uh, what the United States is doing, again, is responding to provocative behavior uh, on the part of China. And just as we did in the Cold War, the idea was uh, to have a position of military strength such that your adversaries were not tempted to act uh, in aggressive ways or try and employ coercion to get their way. I mean, just last week, the U.S. Navy sent a guided missile destroyer into the Spratly Islands, the South China Sea. And what was different about this, I think, was 
that Chinese fighters scrambled. That sounds like an escalator. Well, the, uh, again, from an American perspective, the, the escalation was the Chinese speeding to militarize these islands in the first place, uh, moving uh, its military capabilities down into that region, uh, engaging in provocative behavior against uh, the commercial activities and, and military um, forces of, of other minor countries in the region that have claim to those islands. So it's a response to Chinese intimidation, uh, rather... Excuse me, how, how is commerce being... In now, what John Pilger was about to get to, um, and that's that's one of the reasons why I love John Kil um, Pilger. You know, he's absolutely truthful in 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 every situation. But basically, what he was gonna get to was that you know, how how exactly right are the Chinese threatening commerce in that region? You know, what 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 are you talking about, guy? You know, and this is just. This is just disgusting in my opinion, right? And I just want to add that the way that these people talk about war, you know, it, it really disgusts me because the cost of human lives, you know, is never considered. As you, as you can hear from that clip, the first thing the guy um, said that, the first thing the guy was talking about was, you know, protecting, you know, commercial interests in that region, right? You know, it's not about the people living in the region. Again, it's about how can we stop China from expanding their economic power and and their political influence in the world? That that that's, that is what it is about, guys, right? And of course, the Chinese are absolutely not the aggressors in this situation. You know, the only aggression that the Chinese made is basically outperforming the U.S. in terms of trade, in terms of wealth creation, and the overall game of capitalism. Right? The Chinese are winning that game, and the U.S. do not like that. Right? So, what I what I want to know about China too, um, just a quick little tidbit, is that. You know, China is still um, an incredibly unequal society, you know, there are massive concerns about human rights violations, you know, um, about privacy. Um, so, 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 don't get it twisted, China ain't, ain't perfect either, right? You know, but we need to beware, um, and this is what I think Mia Motley was getting at with her comments, is that we need to be aware um, that the U.S. will use the same excuse, you know, of trying to defute defeat communism um, that it has made in Venezuela, you know, to ensure that the American interests, um, American corporations um, continue to flourish in the region and throughout the world, right? So, th this is this is what um, U.S. Um, imperial powers um, is about, right? U.S. imperialism is about you know, the military bases um, that are set up around the world, the 800 or so of them, you know, they're not set up because the U.S. cares so much about other people in other parts of the world, right? They're set up um, so that the U.S. can, strategically, so that the U.S. can manage certain areas that have natural resources that are valuable to U.S. corporations and also, you know, certain ship um, shipping routes, um, certain ports, and you know certain areas that are um, extremely important in terms of of international trade, right? That that's why the U.S. has so many military bases um, set up around the world, right? That that is the reason, you know. is is not about anything else except for protecting um, the the financial interests of of 
the U.S. government. So I'm going to play another clip for you guys here. Back in the Philippines. The Philippines and the United States have announced five different locations scattered all throughout the Philippines where U.S. troops will be stationed on a rotational basis. This threat to China from yet more U.S. bases on its doorstep was not an issue when an arbitration tribunal ruled against China's claims to the strategic Spratly Islands in the South China Sea. In 2015, the U.S. Navy rehearsed a blockade that would cut China's lifelines of oil and trade and raw materials. The danger of confrontation grows by the day. So, as you can see, right, the U.S. is actively preparing for war with China, right? Now, whether or not this war is going to happen in 5 years, in 10 years, in 20 years, we, we don't know that, right? But what is very uh, important to understand is that the U.S. is preparing for war. I mean, they have all different types of military bases surrounding China. You know, they practice um naval blockades that were cut off basically supplies to china and and cripple the chinese economy you know and lord knows what else um they're doing they're planning behind the scenes and that's not even we're not we didn't even get to talk about you know the various proxy wars um and um basically spying that goes on between um the u.s and and and, and china right you know nuclear war is is a serious threat guys um unfortunately right and and it's even more of a threat today because we have an absolute lunatic in donald trump um that is the president of the united states right now and he has the largest nuclear weapons arsenal um at his disposal basically he can he could fire a nuke anytime that he wants right you know theoretically um, so, so this is why the danger of Trump having a second term is so real, right? I mean, his idiot, his idiocy and and his recklessness, you know, is it, dangerous, you know. Not not to mention the influence um, that warmongering um, Republicans have on Trump. Um, but Trump really doesn't have a good grasp of. I, I don't know if he has a good grasp of what. Well, um, what day is or what week um, it is uh, in the year or anything, right? So I don't expect Trump to have a good grasp of U.S. foreign policy. And if you look at his actions as it pertains to Iran, it's clear that he actually has no idea what he's doing. And this is incredibly dangerous, right? Like, this man has incredible nuclear power at his disposal, incredible military power at his disposal and he is an absolute lunatic and someone who is just fucking retarded right um but it's even more dangerous because trump seems to have some sort of um i don't know fixation towards china right and i'm gonna play this last clip for you guys um and this is about this is a clip of um basically a compilation of Trump speaking about China um, throughout his campaign. 
not have victories anymore. We used to have victories, but we don't have them. When was the last time anybody saw us beating, let's say, China in a trade deal? They kill us. We can't continue to allow China to rape our country, and that's what they're doing. It's the greatest theft in the history of the world. <laughs> oh my god, Trump is such a fucking lunatic. Um, <laughs> but as you can see, you know, the, the president of the United States clearly has a thing for China, you know, like they're raping our country, you know, you know, it's the greatest theft in US history, right? Um this this rhetoric is extremely dangerous, right? Because when you take into consideration the actions um of 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 um the former US president Obama um in his pivot to Asia um where he moved all those um as we covered earlier the the, the um naval forces two thirds of the naval forces were moved to the 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 South Asian Pacific, right? Now we have a fucking lunatic in Donald Trump um who is spreading all this fear um about china you know and th this is why in my opinion trump needs to be defeated like trump cannot be given another term um pardon me in the u.s white house he simply cannot be given i mean the threat of nuclear war is, is so real in the future right and you know it, it it really seems like the U.S. government will stop at nothing, you know, to maintain their political and um, military domination of the globe. So conflict with China, you know, is therefore, you know, very real, very possible. And um, it could have disastrous effects for, you know, all of us in, in, in the global community, right? I mean, nuclear war is, it would literally wipe us out, you know, just, just going to put it, put it like that. It, it would really wipe us out. You know, and it's very sad to think about the fact that us as humans, we've created these these basically weapons of mass destruction, you know, and we are actually willing to use them on, on other people, you know, to get what we want. Um, because if you go back to World War Two, that's basically what um, the U.S. did by dropping the, um, the bombs in Japan, you know. Um... You know, they, they will stop at nothing, you know, to maintain their their military and economic power and domination throughout the world. So, again, that's why me and Motley and, and several other CARICOM leaders um, have a huge problem with with the meeting that Mike Pompeo had in Jamaica. And because, you know, they see... The, the threats um, that carries not just for, for the region but for, for the entire world as it relates to peace and, and, and stability and the prevention of, of war so that's it guys um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode um, I really have fun making it um, of course we're going to release another episode on Friday and um I hope this was very informative. Um, I don't mean to be, you know, one of these guys that are 
pr um, promoting fear and stuff like that um, what I really want to do is just make sure that everyone um, is looking at things with a proper lens and from a proper perspective and if we all improve our collective um, understanding um, on our collective consciousness um, about these issues then we will ha we, we will um, stand a greater chance in preventing them from escalating into war um, in the future so that's been another episode I've been thinking about it my name is Christian Yearwood peace out have a good day guys